This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. And this month we're going to be talking about generic role-playing systems. There are a lot of them out there. What are they good at? And we're going to talk about them in general and generically. We're also going to be talking a little bit about romance in role-playing games. And well, about why is it so unpopular and what can we do about this? The answer to that is gamers. Yeah, all right. And also a little bit, a fragment of modern-day weirdness. It's no secret to those of you who have been listening to uh, these podcasts that uh, when asked, what would you run that campaign in, Roger's invariable answer is, well, I'd probably look at GURPS. Almost invariable. There are a couple of exceptions. Pendragon is the classic one. GURPS calls itself the generic universal role-playing system. It's the first to actually use that title. But over the years, two other systems at least have emerged, which have some uh, claim to be capable of doing, or at least attempting, to run any sort of campaign. And we thought we would take a look at generic systems uh, this time. The big three being uh, BRP, Hero and GURPS in order of historic em- emergence mm-hmm. and just... dip our toes into a few others that uh, that may come to mind. I was looking also at Fate and Savage Worlds. Oh, have fun with Fate. You can have Fate, mate. (laughs) Um, All right. As I said, the first one to emerge was BRP. Um, It emerges out of RuneQuest, and it's, I think, true with all of the systems that emerge out of something else, that they do one thing really well. Yeah, I I think it's fair to say that RuneQuest combat was revolutionary, Mm. if one had previously met uh, D&D type. Yeah, D&D was, still does to a certain extent, uh, take its, its backing from the abstract level of uh, of figures wargaming, skirmish figures wargaming, where you can't look in too much detail. What you care about is re- is the result on the field, on yeah. the board, in 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 the dungeon or out in, out in, out in the wilderness. It provides things that you your character can do but not necessarily a very good model of how he does them. And at RuneQuest, what RuneQuest did was say, well, let's have a look at the actual physics, the actual being there of it, and try and model that. With a fairly strong influence from SCA um, yeah. combat. Uh, I, I, I believe the fumble table in particular was largely inspired by things that had happened on, on the SCA practice field. Well, it's it's not the, it's not the word, it's not too bad for that. It, it, it does mostly concentrate on combat, and the it does avoid the absurdities that uh, Rollmaster sometimes gets into in that <laughs> in that way. But it's not a system that... It's a system that allows a lot of role-playing, but it doesn't support very much role-playing. Well, what, what it gives you that... Again, it, by contrast with D&D, what it gives you is skills. Yeah. Uh, D&D had skills bolted onto it later, but in a, in a slightly sideways way. And generally, either you have a skill or you don't, and if you have the skill, you can make a stat roll, and it's that sort of level of simplicity. What BRP gives you, and a a lot of games since have given you, is you have a skill, you have a skill level in it, Mm -hmm. you can make a roll against that to do something. And very often it's, if you can think of a way to justify it, you may well be able to get the GM to give you a roll. 
And the skills matter because they're the thing that's going to distinguish your... Uh, all right. It also adds background. Um, RuneQuest 2 certainly... I don't know. I don't never saw a copy of RuneQuest 1, but from RuneQuest 2 it's there. Yeah. That you are a noble, and therefore you have this sort, sort of thing in your background. You're a townsman. Honest townsman is is my uh, group's ongoing euphemism for thief. Incidentally, <laughs> for, from the t- the time when somebody shouted, "I'm not a thief. I'm an honest townsman." And peasants, uh, like like legitimate ethnic businessmen's association <laughs> in twenties and thirties uh, America. They all are um, in, and and that and that makes a, a difference and differentiates the character, but. And there's also all the business of the cults and um, the political associations in the background, but that wasn't actually bolted into the mechanics of the character. It was there separately, and something yeah. you had to judge by GM if you had uh, by GM Fiat if you had been uh, unfaithful to the tenets of your god, or if you had been a, a faithful whatever it was. And we we've talked before about um, Superworld and so on, but to yeah. to me the thing that really made BRP obvious as a general purpose system mm. was Call of Cthulhu. Well, it was a first attempt to move out away from. It bolts on. Well, being fair, what what they probably did was right. We are Chaosium. We we are putting this game together. We've got this existing system that that we've already no. written and we we own. Yeah, let's use it. And there's nothing there's nothing uh, wrong with uh, with that. Does does Call of Cthulhu reveal any weaknesses in in the system, any non-genericness that starts to stretch? Because if my theory is right, it should. Well, it's not the exact same system, mm. which is fair enough. It, it is slightly tweaked. For for a start, you you drop uh, hit locations completely and strike yeah. ranks and things like that, and combat becomes a lot yeah. simpler. If you wanted the sort of campaign that was popular in the late eighties, where you just throw everything in, you mm. you would start to get incompatibilities there. Um, the thing that always struck me as a bit odd is that you're generating supposedly competent professional people, but they end up with really quite low skill levels. Yeah. The, um... Now, part of this is the assumed difficulty of a standard task. Hmm. You know, is, is your standard skill role with no difficulty modifiers meant to be while you're doing something hazardous in combat? Or is it your your daily job? Yeah, the, the, it's... Uh... It's a, it's something that's fudged in a lot of systems with skills in it, especially one that comes to mind is Unknown Armies, which says most of the time don't bother to roll. Most yeah. of the time, um, you're nothing but stress. You're not wor- you're not worrying. It's when the knives get out, or you're in the car racing racing away from the police that you really need to worry about your skills. One thing that I think is a bit of a weak spot in Call of Cthulhu is credit rating, mm. because it is bought as a skill. And that's it's, absurd. It, it's yeah. on some templates, it's not on other templates. You can get a bit of it. But effectively, what it generally seems to end up serving as is not something you know per se, but what is your social standing? Can you convince the Metro D that, that you're the sort of yeah. person who should be let in? That sort of thing. Yeah, and that's uh, it's something that's been bolted on them, but been bolted on in the wrong place. As I said earlier, the actual mechanics of the character um, in RuneQuest never had anything to do with the, the mechanical systems. It was all role-played or judged by the GM. Yeah, you you could get your skills to a certain level and the background book would say you may now attempt to become a rune lord. Yeah. Well, there were mechanics but, for but, that. Yeah, but actually becoming one is a separate status from that. It's not a mm. thing you automatically get. No, the, but 
they bolted it on in the wrong place. There continues to be, if you look at the big gold book, which is the current incarnation of BRP, there are various versions. It's not terribly terribly clear, but it is a it's a usable toolkit if you know what's in there already mm. um, to create a system that will fit a particular world that you have in mind. But as a whole, the weaknesses are still there. You've got things like reputation and uh, standing with gods and membership of factions in there. But at core, it works best in individual face-to-face encounters, what's happening on the tabletop. One of the best incarnations of it was, I think, Stormbringer or Elric or whatever it finally ended up being mm-hmm. called, which is a step away from RuneQuest's exactitude of detail of worrying about strike ranks um, and worrying about hit locations to sword and sorcery swashbuckling and doing extreme things. Right. But you can, uh, but, but, but it's an adaptable system. Um, it's been adapted in a, uh, in, uh, into... The best of the modern incarnations, I think, is probably the Laundry, which I had a lot of fun with in a year-long campaign. Which looks a lot like Call of Cthulhu, but it's certainly not identical. Yeah, it has a lot of Cthulhu... Well, it's supposed to have. Uh, it's not really su- It's not really surprising, considering Charlie Stross's background. But, um, yeah. All right, let's so, move on. GURPS has its origins not actually all that much later than BRP. As um, wizard and melee, wizard and melee, uh, the fantasy trip, and it does show those origins in, in some ways, just as BRP does. Uh, the core of it was always the melee combat system for low-tech melee weapons. Yeah, uh, it's been extensively uh, modified and expanded, and I th- I think it doesn't quite pin itself in, into that melee setting. I mean. I've there have been Call of Cthulhu games with no fights in them at all, and that's fair enough. There, mm. But there there seem to be quite a lot of GURPS games with no fights in them at all. It has such a richness of skill list that if you want to play a game of uh, students at a school who occasionally have something slightly odd happen to them, but are basically trying to be good students as well, yeah. you have full support for that. There's even a setting for it, which is a, a magical university in the in the medieval period, which is precisely what you're you're you're, you're quoting it. The strength of GURPS is is not just that it expands the idea of the, the skills, but also that it gives you mechanics to enhance and enable role-playing. It, yeah, it allows you, you, you to put into the build of your character um, what he's good at uh, mentally and physically, what he is, what his weaknesses are, what his ethical stand is, and it makes it matter in in uh, te- terms of the game, in gamist terms. Yeah, some some of these things can be fairly blunt, um, but even if you don't fully enforce them mechanically, it's a good way of getting a handle on the character. Yeah. Um, yeah How do you mean by, by blunt? Give um, examples. Greed, for example, Ooh. or lecherousness. Um, yeah. That... Le- le- lecherousness in particular is pretty much you make a self-control role or you make a pass at every one of the appropriate sex that you see. That you, well, that you fancy everyone of good, uh, anyone, everyone that attracts you. <laughs> you're not, you're, you're not actually going to do something you regret from, right from the outset. You're going to regret it afterwards, but not. But in any case, and 
that that is a pretty extreme form form of that sort of behaviour. Yeah. On the other hand, it's there, and you you can tone it down with a better self control role, or otherwise uh, mitigate it. You get fewer points for the toned down version, but you you can still say this is the way this guy tends to behave. If there's no reason not to. Behave I otherwise. think at this moment in time, I should quote one of my more over the top players. My character has a lecturer's advantage. <laughs> But this is actually one of the things that first attracted me to Gerps. Yeah. It's anyone can describe a character's personality in a few sentences, and that may or may not be helpful for role playing. Um, but I find it helps me to get inside a character's head if I can look down the list of things and say, right, this, this is the sort of thing they're good at. They they put time and effort into, um, for example, being diplomatic as opposed to being a fast talker, which is not a not mm. a resolution that many games need to reach but okay that's that that's the sort of person this is he he would rather have a a, a sensible argument yeah than say hey look over there the problem is one of the problems is that that list and the list of advantages and disadvantages and the, all the options and the sub options and the limitations and the enhancements boggle the mind of uh, of new of new players it's not yeah. It, it it's great fun for those of us who've been playing it for a while, but uh, for those uh, people who look at it straight, they go, "What? How do I choose? How do I make?" Yeah, the, sense? the first thing you need to do, after all, is generate a character, mm. um, and to generate a character, you need to understand a fair chunk of the system. Or you really need somebody who understands it. You need an understanding somewhere in the room. Yeah, which can be in the book if you are playing in one of the pre-built settings. Yeah. Which is not a thing people tend to think of with GURPS, but there are quite a few of them out there. Um, there, do t there do tend to be genre, um, templates in the genre books. And yeah. e even in something like Infinite Worlds, which is fairly fairly uh, basic on this regard, you, mm. you've got the standard ICOP template. And this, this will give you a few choices you can make, and you will have a playable character who doesn't isn't missing a key skill that they ought to have. The extreme version of this is something like Dungeon Fantasy or Action or Monster Hunters, where you can say, uh, in action, for example, I, I I want to play the guy who works with explosives. Yeah. And you have a bunch of choices to make. You, you're not they're not all going to look the same, but you're going to have a character who has the relevant explosive skills and everything else they need. Yeah. To make it work. The templates have made an enormous difference, practically speaking, uh, to running GURPS campaigns. As has, God bless it, the GURPS character assistant, yeah. which has made um, every. Every modern game should have some sort of computer assistance, even if it's just a fillable char character sheet that you can download from the uh, from from the website. There's no excuse not to go at least that far in making lives of GMs and players easier. Yep, and some of the stuff I've seen in PDFs these days with JavaScript support, you, you can get a fillable PDF sheet that takes you through the character generation process. Hmm. If if it's relatively simple, which in GURPS it isn't. There are limitations to GURPS. I don't yep. think it can do. I don't think it can do superheroes terribly well. I have essentially no interest in superheroes, but I know people who are um, doing superheroes with it. Yeah, I um, Bill Stoddard for one. Yeah, I have. Uh, I don't know. Every time I've tried it, it's it's gone. It's gone wibbly. It may be me and superheroes. Well, I. I would make a slightly nice distinction in that I have run games about people with superpowers. Yeah. Psychic, magical, whatever. 
Yeah, I'm doing uh, much the same at the moment. But I don't, I, I don't run games about superheroes because that seems to me a, a step over into the anything can happen. I'm, yeah, what, once, what you, once you've is, got them in spandex and beating people up on the streets of New York. It, it, it's an economy of miracles thing. Um, many superhero settings are of that sort we were talking about earlier, where you can throw in everything you, you can have. The high, um, the the, high the, weirdness. The, the alien, the magic, the radiation accident. The, the, gorillas, the gorillas in... Uh, 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 the sapient gorillas in the cities in Africa. The invisible plane um, uh, flown by the daughter of the queen, queen of the, the Amazons. The last member of the Martian race, who is not only a shapeshifter, but a telepath and super strong as well. But he's vulnerable to fire. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, I, I was running a um, 1960s Sonics campaign, yeah. I've talked about occasionally, and there, there was a lot of different sorts of strangeness in there, mm. but they were all basically psychic slash psionic slash in that general area Yeah. in origin. Yeah, it is. And that, 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 that's a personal choice. But I think that's one of the things that can tip something over from from people with powers into superhero, and it's not really something that works for me. Yeah, I think. Well, the point I'm trying to make is that I think that when you try to step into that um, into that uh, realm, you're going a, a, one, a step too far away from the um, uh, from the uh, guy with a sword in his hand and a shield on his other arm. I think it's fair to say also that like BRP. And like Hero, we'll probably talk about next. GURPS is a is a gamist game. It mm. is if I have a guy who's this good, and he and he does his thing, what will happen? Yeah, and that that's mechanically supported, and and it is a, what, what, and what it, what it a, doesn't is do, a model of a of a world. What it doesn't do, as a general rule at least, is say yes. But if it's the climactic scene, and and it's really important that he succeed, can he do any better at it? Yeah, Gerps by default will answer, "Well, no, he's this good." Or he's this good. good. The the dice rolls, uh, dice rolls, and you accept your fate. Um, there there, there are methods for spending character points to to make things better. There are they, yeah, they are cinema, cinematic options do work, but uh, but it, th it's it's not a, not a full blown economy of that sort of thing the, the way some games have, have aimed to be. You do you remember Black Ops uh, for third edition? Dimly. Dimly. Never actually played it. Yeah, I, it struck me as being another one which went a step beyond what GURPS did well. And that was merely with a few psychic abilities and an incredible amount of points to spend on building um, characters. Once you get up to 700, 800 points in 3rd uh, in edition, you were as good as a superhero, even if, um, well, even if technically speaking, you weren't. Yeah. And I felt... I know it didn't quite work for me. Right, speaking of heroes, yeah. I I I would point out first of all that hero is earlier yeah. than GURPS. It's between uh, Fantasy Trip and GURPS. Yeah, and the thing it brings into the mix of generic system is the point build character generation. As far as I can tell, that's the first. Before that. It was all random dice rolling, and yeah. it's really rather, as I've said before, it's really rather peculiar that it comes in this late, because yeah, the uh, the war gamers out of whom role gaming emerged were spending points to create their armies, but they were rolling dice to create 
the individual characters. Yeah, the, I think the thing may be they they you you would spend you know, X points for a unit of spearmen or something. Yeah. But you couldn't design the individual unit of spearmen. You could say they're green or they're elite, and that's about the resolution you get. Yeah. But you know, we were already finer detailed than that with 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 D and D. Yeah. Now, hero emerges out of champions. And this is the universal system which I have the least experience with, so I'm probably going to waffle a little here. But it, what it brings is not just points build, but because it is attempting to do the full envelope, you have uh, you have a man with an arrow uh, who's good at shooting arrows, and you have the Norse god of thunder in the same team level of superhero weirdness. It defines characters' abilities very much by effects. Yeah, not. And I, I, I think that again, it was the first game to do that. You, you could have games which said, "Here is the throwing fire power." Yeah, but Champions was the, certainly the first one I saw that would. Uh, probably somebody's going to talk about Superhero Twenty Forty Four and whatever. But, yeah, but well, in, in, it was, in any case, that, that's um, not because it wasn't very good. Uh, it, it was the one that said, "Okay, here is your standard energy blast attack, and maybe it's fire, and maybe it's cold, and maybe it's you know a bolt of water or something." But if it does about this much damage and can throw people about and maybe if they're unlucky hurt them a lot, yeah, then it's an energy blast and this is how you do it. And I think the the uh, the problem with that is even more than GURPS, it boggles the mind of the of the newbie to build a character. Yeah, You're... They, they produced a lot of books with preset powers that you could mix and match to build a character from. So I think they're trying mm. to admit that that was a concern. Well, I, f- I find I find it even today with fifth uh, edition hero, um, which is I think is the latest iteration and is intended to be a, gener- a generic size. We can do everything. Even then, I find that to plunge into it, you're uh, you're knee deep in a lot of three letter acronyms, which you have to uh, pick apart, and it's not easy to learn. It's not easy. Hmm. It doesn't model. Because it must model everything, it doesn't model anything specific the way GURPS does very well. And I, I think poss- possibly that's because of the starting off as a superhero game. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. And, yeah. and adding lower level stuff. I, I always felt skills got a bit short-changed. They're very cheap, but mm. you can't really do very much with them. Yeah, and the, there's, a le- there's less uh, fine detail than there, there is in GURPS. And it's... I, 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 and... I, I really can't. I really can't be be doing with it as as a generic system. I potted around with it and looked at it a bit, and I played a few games, but it's not one that springs to mind as being. But the people who who use it, and the people, especially the people who use it for superheroes, love it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm probably no, I, I, I've we'll only probably played, get outraged letters about about hero, but you know. I, I've only played the superhero iteration, which. Um, I think my problem, my problems with superhero stuff in general, what put me off rather than the system. I, I, I did notice that there was a certain potential for lack of flavour because mm. what you need to put in a character sheet is this is a this en, is a end, end, end points end worth of energy blast with these modifiers. This is an end points mind or charisma attack. The thought you, of a charisma attack is very weird. You don't actually have to say I'm throwing fire from my hands, and. The lazy player may may well find that yeah well I could define the special effects later. Yeah, except that the, the flavoursome player, the, the person who wants to to be the, the human torch or or whatever, is going to want to define the flavour first. He was going to want the flavour baked in. Yeah. Um, 
GURPS 4th edition goes a certain way towards um, the hero thing of defining things by their effects. And particularly having a basic advantage that gives you the generic version and then being able to tweak it for a longer or shorter range or it's this particular sort of attack or whatever. Yeah. It's clearly inspired by champions. Yeah, it is also uh, makes... It also means there are a lot of queries on the GURPS um, forums about how do we, how do I do this particular ability? What is the modifier here? What exactly does this does it mean here? And it's it's very finicky and gear heady sometimes. Yeah. On the other hand, as with any of these, I I like having the bits exposed for if I wanted to fiddle with them. Mm. It's not generally speaking necessary to fiddle with them. Yeah. The, if, if, oh. if you're playing in a, in a pre-built setting where you've got templates available. Very frequently, yeah. Very um, frequently, things will um, things will work fine with the, with the base, basic system. I, I think an example of this is the Sonic Powers series, which is mm. three or four books, uh, which basically take the, the, the there's a very basic Psy Powers system in yeah. the basic set, which is usable but not terribly flavoursome. Yeah. Um, it expands that. It says, okay, here, here are some really fairly minor rules tweaks, and here is a whole bunch of pre-built powers in, in, at standard costs, and mm. if you want to build a character with Psy powers, set aside this many points and pick some of these out of the list, and you're done. Yeah. Which is certainly very convenient. Uh, moving on a bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've talked about Savage Worlds before. Yeah, I, I've in included this in this just, just for comparison. I mean, it's... It, a lot like GURPS in many in many respects for character mm. generation. You you don't really you're not really expected to build a character without a template. Is the impression I get. A yeah. world book should have templates in it. Um, but again, it's 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 kind of point by. It's it's also it's also level based, which is odd at this date sort of in level, time. Yeah. Sort of level, sort of based, um, and it's. Its big, its big thing is it's fast, it's fun. It doesn't have as much of a cost at character generation, but then the characters aren't as detailed. I seem to remember edges basically all cost one point each. Yeah. Ra rather than as GURPS would have, you can have a little bit of charisma for five points, or you can have um, being insanely wealthy for fifty points. Yeah. The uh, and and the, you don't you don't get a lot of edges. Um, in uh, as a starting character, and you build them up over time uh, uh, through the aforesaid leveling. I think one of the distinctions between um, these systems, in fact, is how much stuff do you put on a character sheet? Yeah. A, a reasonably well-developed GURPS character, e even if you're portraying a fa fairly normal person, is likely to have, I don't know, five or ten advantages mm. for you know, things like level of wealth. Maybe maybe they have a duty to an organisation they're working for, yeah. um, some sort of social status maybe, and and so on. Um, whereas in something like Savage Worlds, you, the the only stuff on the sheet is the stuff that you're particularly interested in. You're an archaeologist. You've got a bullwhip. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I I have uh, I have players in my uh, I have a player in my Monday night game who suffers from what I think must be called a character sheet blindness. We've been playing GURPS and RuneQuest together for many long years, and she can never find anything on on the sheet. We try to be helpful because she's fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, her head is filled with important things for her job, and uh, she doesn't have time like the rest of us. Uh, what was so that? I, I, I took a look at fate, 
Yes, yeah, well. I have read Fate. I have played a little of it. Go on, tell me about well, Fate. Well, lo looking at it, this is even more than Savage Worlds going fairly explicitly towards the, the narrative sort of model. In other words, what we are trying to do here is, is tell a story with hmm. um, upbeats and downbeats and, and setbacks and a climax. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's... Be fair to say from previous experience with this podcast that this is not generally the sort of gaming we go for, but yeah. it's still interesting. Um, looking at character generation, um, the thing I found was that it really needed to be on your toes just as much as those other systems, mm. but rather than having to know the list of powers you might get, or skills you might get, you need to have an utterly solid character concept. Yeah, and the, the ability to put it into short uh, short bursts. You're going to define it as a small number of skills and a small number of aspects. Yeah. Um, the... And to, to be honest, I, I th when I've had a look at this in play, skills seem to become almost irrelevant compared with aspects. That may just be the games I've looked over people's shoulders for. Well, no, skills are should be dashed important. Um, they, they should be the things that you're competent at. But it deliberately restricts you to a small uh, number of skills, a pyramid of skills with um, with only one being really good and the rest mm -hmm. being um, less good as you go down the pyramid. Yeah, I, th I think part of this is a deliberate ergonomic choice. You don't you don't want a character sheet. I've got a character sheet in a GURPS campaign that's getting on for eight pages now. Yeah, that is a bit. Some, some of that's notes. Yeah, but you know the, the spell list alone takes more than a more than a side of A4, hmm. and yeah. This is a deliberate decision to go the other way from that, and you, you you've got a limited number of things you can do. They're fairly broad things, but you can look down your list of stuff you can do quickly. Yeah. Uh, and the the aspects come in with the uh, what is called the uh, the fate point economy. Yeah. A good aspect is something that can work for you and work again against you, um, like ladies' man, let us say. Yeah. Or. Um, which would be the combination of, say, charisma, sex appeal, and lecherousness in good yeah. terms. Or uh, so, uh, so you you are you you're going to earn uh, fate points when you when you use your when uh, it's used against you, and uh, spend them when you use it in in your in your or any of your other uh, aspects in, in your in your and there, there are various means which are not, to be frank, terribly uh, easy to put, to get into my head. I see this as basically a spotlight sharing thing. Yeah. And ignore for a moment the getting fate points for your disadvantages coming into play. But what you're saying is, if everybody's starting with the same number of fate points, then they they get that number of turns to to do something, that number of tries at doing something really impressive, and the spotlight being on them. Yeah. Um, where I think it falls down a bit is that when your disadvantage comes into play, the spotlight is also on you. I think that that's an advantage. Well, from from a spotlight sharing point of view, it isn't because um, let, let us say the the group is in a bar. the The guy who will chat up anybody, yeah, gets points because he's chatting up people he shouldn't, yeah, and then spends points because he's using them to chat up the people he actually wants to. Yeah, except that, except that. So so he's getting spotlight time both for the inflow and the outflow of points. So it doesn't really work as a balancing mechanic. I, I well, I think 
it depends. The, the GM should make you pay for your uh, for for the fake points you earn. It, it, getting into trouble should really be getting into trouble. Yeah, but when as you are getting into trouble, you are you are still the focus of the game. That's all I'm saying. It's not not that it get, gets you too much power or too little power. It's that it gets you too much attention. Yeah, in well, a way that, that the fake that is... point system is trying to stop happening. Well, that is, and in in a way that a purely positive system like Gumshoe doesn't mm. do, because you just have you have your skill number of times to be awesome, and that's it. Excuse me, I I did quote quote my my most over the top player earlier, and he <laughs> regards every, every every disadvantage his character has. I have to restrain him from taking them sometimes, yeah. as a means of focusing the attention on him. He, uh, even if it means the rest of the party is having to spend their time rescuing him from his own folly. This is why GURPS and I think Hero and others have disadvantage limits. Yeah, and uh, and me too as well. The, <laughs> uh, the the thing about fate is that the granularity is very coarse. Yeah, indeed. The yeah, uh, uh, you you can if you want to have a blow by blow combat, but what it's really designed for is. Actually, more like the D and D approach that that there is a flurry and exchange of blows, and at the end of it, somebody is better off and somebody is worse off. Well, I, th- I get the feeling uh, that the model I would u- use for the for combat would be is some is more like a feng shui. The map doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you're over here or you're over there. You're on top of the crates or you're in the pit full of alligators. It, it doesn't matter so much whether whether you hit the bad guy with your sword as whether you came out of that exchange of blows with a positional advantage or maybe he's wounded or something like that has happened yeah i it, it it's very narrativist it, it's it's what if i could get my head around it i suspect it would be one of the better narrativists one of the assistants but one of the things i have noticed is that when it comes to world building on a on a more detailed scale the system tends to get overloaded um the the Dresden Files role playing game, mm-hmm. which is an admirable piece of work, but my mind ground to a halt when I tried to understand the various different ways that aspects were used in it, and the huge long list of of stuff that they have modelled to build that universe. It just it and and the same thing happened with uh what's that that Starblazer Adventures and at least at least one other that that, I, that I've looked at. When it comes to world building, more than the the, the, the well, it's, it's good for for things which are going to be light and short campaigns, but for long detail stuff, I think the system breaks under the strain. Yeah, I think possibly some of the problem there is is stress from using the same broad mechanic, the the aspect thing. Yeah, and you, your 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 base can have an aspect of. Um, shiny and secure, or, or your your vehicle can have an aspect of prone to break down. Yeah. And um, the the first fake game I looked at was Diaspora, and that doesn't really have ship stats. No. It has aspects, and that's pretty much it. Um, For a game that details whole worlds at a time, and, it's and the, so very the, broad brush. The the ship is basically a narrative background that, you know, if if you need it to be, a particular way, it pretty much can be to support the story. Mm. But nobody's ever going to be drawing deck plans and saying, "Okay, how many cabins have we got?" Let alone how much fuel does it take. It's really a matter of what sort of game you want. Um, just as you know, GURPS is good for slightly cinematic reality as a baseline. Yeah. And the further you get away from that, the more it starts to creak a bit, which mm. I think is where you're having the problem with high-powered supers. Um, 
and Hero is basically a superhero game, and you can push it down to slightly cinematic reality, but again, it starts to creak a bit. Yeah. And so on. And Face, face is very much a low resolution, but do heroic stuff against a background that may be not quite in focus. Mm. To me. Um, the, the, a lot of this is personal choice, but uh, that, that's the impression I've got of it. And um, you, you have stunts, which seem to work a bit like aspects. I couldn't really work out the detail of this. No, could I, to be frank. I, I, it, it take, it, it's going to take playing the game, and, um, well, I don't think we're going to get around to doing that. I'll just play somebody's game at a convention sometime and yep. try, try to work out what's going on. There are other games which could be classified as generic. Hero Quest we've touched on before. I don't believe... Even now, oh, I don't... focus from me closer. Pardon? He'll focus from me closer. Mm. Because that, that's explicitly been put into a bunch of different settings. Yeah, but it, it, I don't think I can classify Hillfolk as, as a generic system because it's it's maybe a generic subsystem. It's, it's a system about personal interaction and rivalry and do you get what you want. And Robin, Robin's written it to do only one sort of scene, which is dr- dramatic... The dramatic scene of, and it's not real. It doesn't really support anything else. I can't really call Hillfolk a generic system because I think a generic system has to model some sort of reality, and he's modelling some sort of story, and I think that that's the difference. Mm, okay. Um, I was going to say, but, uh, sorry, God, I was going to say that I don't believe, even after all these years, that. The D and D derivatives of the D twenty systems of various sorts can be described as generic. I don't think any of them are actually currently in print. Mm. Um, I, I did look around a bit. I, I may well have missed stuff, but I got I get the impression D twenty modern, for example, that lots of people liked mm. a few years ago, doesn't seem to be in any way active right now. Yeah. Well, I, I, I again, I think it was stretching it too far beyond the, its base and using. We'll do what we'll do what our our, our customer base is familiar with uh, classes and levels. Yeah, and uh, and go with that. Yeah, but the the classes I seem to remember things like strong hero, dexterous hero, charismatic hero. Uh, so, in, in other words, one stat is, yeah. is your focus, for, and that defines what the class is. Mm. Which yeah, I guess, but it doesn't seem doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, but then I've been I've been using system with with but just have skills. And don't worry about classes and levels for really quite a long time now. So, Do we have a wrap-up? It depends on what you want to do with it. That's helpful, isn't it? Oh, um, good. It. Yeah, they... I, I would say... I would um, say that... Pick, a... pick, pick your um, level of cinematicness first. Mm. Because it's if, if you've got a particular campaign in mind, a particular sort of yeah. thing you want to run, um, you will probably know whether this is... Utterly mundane reality, or slightly heroic, as on television, or really, really amazingly gonzo, or yeah. whatever, um, and th- that will help you pick along the, um, say, GURPS, BRP, hero yeah. sort of axis, or indeed Savage Worlds. If if you want to do something that's where, uh, where very, you, where, very, yeah. very cinematic, but not necessarily with weird powers, yeah, Savage Worlds is great. Yeah, um, pirates, yes, yeah. Um, 1920s, 1930s, hunt, fighting Nazis with with a bullwhip and a fedora. <laughs> um, but we can't can't say the name. It's trademarked. Fates. I don't really have a thing I would want to slot it into. But I think if I were trying to do 
a game of the film or game of the TV series. Um, we, we, we talked recently about Doctor Who and some, yeah. something like that where things really do run on narrative fiat yeah. more than on I've got this skill or this bit of equipment that's previously been established. I would be looking more more in the direction of fate for that. Yeah. The Doctor has the aspect. Um, uh, my my uh, my sonic screwdriver can fix anything. Yeah. BRP, I must admit, I'm not a huge fan of it because I've gone on and done other things since, but it works perfectly well for Call of Cthulhu. I'm, st I'm still uh, playing in, in RuneQuest 3 games. Um, I'd love to uh, sometime do some more Stormbringer-like stuff, but the stuff that has come out with that system since uh, Stormbringer hasn't really inspired me. Well, Chaosium is being revitalised. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Greg and Sandy will have uh, old, old old gamers Viagra to, to re-inspire them. Well, they've got the moon design guys out here yeah. now as well. So. Okay. We, I think we pass on to something else. dinner for two. A glance across a crowded room that tells you that you have met your soul's mate. A stammered proposal, a blushing acceptance. These are the sort of things that very rarely happen in, uh, in my games, um, in many people's games, and in my life for that matter. But Roger has an idea about how we could bring more of romance, of personal relationships into role-playing games, and he's going to talk about it. Well, this, this was inspired by a recent comment on uh, Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff. Uh, using a role-playing game to tell a romance-type story is not a thing that happens very often. Hmm. And it seems to me there are two ways one could do this. One, one is the sort of thing that the uh, Apocalypse World, Dungeon World, so on yeah. series do, and a lot, a lot of uh, indie-style games do which is you give a mechanical reward for doing the thing that is in genre. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it was Ken who, par who parodied this as, will you marry me? Yes. Great, now we both get plus two. <laughs> yeah, go on. Or? So, my, my thought is that, that that is just too easy. Yeah, um, I've seen it a lot in... Um in uh, LARPs, as it happens, that uh, that you, you spend your time going around looking for the person who, who, who is your soulmate, and you find out by matching playing cards, um, which isn't quite the thing. I can't help thinking it loses a little bit of flavour. Yeah. Um, so my, my thought, and I've read the odd romance book now and then, um, is that if, you're, if you have a, an adventure that is about a romance... Yeah. The, the course of it does not run smooth, otherwise there's not much of an adventure. This is true. Some obstacles are purely mechanical. You know, he, he is too poor to support a wife, so has to go off to war to get prize money, or the families hate each other. And that, but that, that's the sort of thing, there's plenty of places in, places in games, but existing games can handle it. Yeah. So I don't think there's a difficulty there. Um, I'm wondering about a mechanical model of a relationship that essentially is, what would you do for this person? Hmm. You know, what is the price you're willing to pay? I, I will give this person a meal. I will help this person move. I will help this person move a body. Um, right. But, of course, that has to be completely asymmetrical. 
Because, because, because sometimes it is. Yeah. A would do anything for B, B doesn't know that A exists. Okay, go on. So I, I think, going back to the roots of game, a game of romance is a form of conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, the, the, the player character wants something but can't easily get it. Yeah. That suggests to me that it should probably be, be between a PC and an NPC. Because if you have two PCs getting involved with each other, mm-hmm. um, the players can work that out on a meta level. And will, and should. All right, go go on. That I... So it, it's very easy to say that the NPC stops trusting the PC for some reason. Mm-hmm. Why do you, why does a PC stop trusting an NPC? Because she has turned out not to be true. Because she is seeing another man. Because she has a dark secret. And I think what you need to do for is to get the, to get the player involved. Is to, is to make it clear that this is their one shot. Hmm. Not necessarily this person, but once they commit to, in the traditional romance model, a marriage, but however you want to do it, once they commit to it, that's it. Yeah. And this is going to have consequences for the rest of the campaign. Okay, well... So, so they want, even if they're being purely mercenary, yeah. they want to make sure they have the best possible option. Uh, including not marrying anybody just yet. You can build it into... You can actually build the doctrine of there is one true love, there is one true soulmate, there is one best person in the world for you into the game background if you're willing to do stuff like Blue Rose uh, did and make it actual actual assumption of the universe. I don't see that that's really necessary. I would much rather have a player trying to face the same decisions as the PC does, which is not, is this the one that I should go for, yes or no, but should I go for this person, or should I wait, or should I look at somebody else? Or It's it's not a matter you of... Need, you need, in that case, you need to we, give... We, the, any of us could get on and make, make a reasonable go, but, but which is the best option, and what, sh- what should I do? Yeah, well, you need to give... In that, uh, in that case, you need to give the player character, maybe all characters, a non-renewable resource, perhaps a, a reputation or something like that, a political plus points, which romantic um, aura. Um, it, it's easy. It's easier to model this for a female character. In a lot of history, yeah. Um, uh, she she has a reputation which she must not despoil. She must. Make a good a good choice. In fact, this this is the one major decision that she gets some input in in her entire life. In, in fact, this would would probably work best for a female character. But a female character who is restricted in that way is liable to not. If this is if this is all the um, uh, the the game is about, if this is the core of the game, then you want to you want to make it the the female character's decision. Yes, I've... If, if I. If if there's more to the game going on, then a male character in most of history is going to have more uh, more power, more agency, and the the game. The thing I'm thinking of is Pendragon, where this did did arise. Yep. You're a knight, but your uh, but your marriage is going to affect your prosperity. Going to affect you having a, a child to uh, carry on the line, 
It's going to affect all, all sorts of things. You must do it right. And it is quite an important important element, but it's not the sole element. The knights also go out and, and fight and die and intrigue yeah. at court. On the other hand, if you get into a bad marriage in Pendragon, you, the rest of your life is, is going to go downhill in many ways. Yeah. Bad ma- Yeah, well... What did what was a bad marriage in Pendragon? Um, particularly an infertile wife, but you, there were also plenty of options for, for wives to do other other foolish things. Yeah. All right, but all right. So wife, you wife dies, horses live. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the other way around, and a, a, a horse is much more expensive than a wife. You do know that, don't you? Yeah. But I, I think the the important thing in in here, anyway, is, is the irrevocability. Yeah. Um, this is this is a choice that you are going to be stuck with, and that that I think argues for the romance not being the primary focus of the campaign. Yeah, but rather, yes, we're we're going to go on and do whatever else we're going to do, but the presence of the relationship is is going to colour that. Mm. All right. So, given that, given that uh, it is the, well, if you're going to go with a, with with a woman. As the as the central character, mm-hmm. what sort of world is this set in? Um, I can see. I can see something like uh, a Jane Austenish thing. Yeah, well, I've read uh, quite a lot of Georgette Hare and quite enjoy her yeah, work. But you you probably have to generic up to uh, sorry to geek it up a bit if you're going to make it make it saleable. Is this the romance segment of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? <laughs> I must admit, I, I do see this more as something to be to be um, deployed in an existing game rather than yeah. a game in itself. Because if it were a game in itself, then it would be back to the mechanical side of things. Mm. All right, so hang on. And the the fact that there is other stuff going on is is part of the reason why it matters, rather than just oh well, I, I did well, let's play again. How do you make it symmetrical for men and women? Can you make it symmetrical for men and women? So it that depends entirely on the society. Um, what would a society it, like that was like that? Not like ours. Indeed. Um, I, I think it, it has to be, whatever you do, has to be very much embedded in the society. Um, mm. the, the, the Regency approach, for example, the, the, the man pretty much has to make the, the formal proposal. Yeah. Having done it, he can't back out of it, but the woman can. Yeah. Um, and depending on who the player character is, could could be either way round. Those are going to be some important decision points. So, what are whatever gender you are, you have found the one that you think is the one. You're the player character. You found the one that you think is the one, or at least might be, or at least might be. How does the GM set up? That NPC that you're courting, or hoping for for a court from, with booby traps, <laughs> with um, things that can make the story more interesting. Is there? Do you do it randomly? Um, is there? Um, is there going to be a table of something in the background? Uh, has mad first wife locked in attic? Uh, Nobody's ever done that one. <laughs> well, all right. Um, has uh, has I don't know it, it, what it has some dire dire secret, but uh, 
in the background. How do you set that up fairly? There's an awful lot of that sort of thing in, in the literature. I, I'm, I'm not sure a random table could ever be big enough to encompass something like that. Mm. Um, more, I, I think if I were doing this as GM, and I, I may well find myself doing so, yeah. um, it would be, well, that seems interesting, or this, this would play well against that particular PC. Yeah. Um, you, all right. you, you get somebody with a code of honour, what does he do if he finds his intended is a cat burglar? Uh, or, you know. Okay. Um, or, a, or, or a retired professional assassin, as I seem to recall coming up in the recent uh, BBC series. <laughs> the. Alright, so you're, you're saying that the way to make it important is to make it um, irrevocable. irrevocable. Uh, and in in other words, you have to live with the choice you made. Yeah. No backing out. You're stuck with them now. The thing is, what sort of stories can you play after the marriage? Well, all sorts, obviously. Isn't marriage going to be, inevitably, if this is a, such a big focus, isn't the marriage going to be a disappointment, or can we just make it another stage? I would have thought another stage. Um, and de Depending on who, who the... Uh, other party is um, this this could be a useful NPC to look after stuff at home while you're off adventuring a partner in adventuring yeah all sorts of options yeah the some, some, a, a new PC because the, the original PC wants to retire and look after stuff at home for that matter got a point alright yeah that's a, that's a possibility I'm... and the, the, the fact that those options are there in the future mm -hmm. is what what part of what leads to the immediate tension of is this the right choice yeah, I would say, hum, I would say that you are in, you invest in, in somebody, you invest something in, in somebody, maybe time, maybe money, maybe reputation, and then it comes to a climax point, and you discover you've blown everything, or what? That, as there, I, there, as is, I, there is some problem, perhaps, that is such a huge problem that you have to decide, am I going to try, and, try to ignore this problem? Yeah. and possibly compromise myself in the process. Or am I going to abandon it all? Hmm. And and start again with a... With a uh, with, maybe you can recover some of your uh, mojo. Let's call it mojo. Romantic <laughs> mojo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for um, a, a, some of it, but you start, you start I, I, the I, next I, one at a lower level and I, once I'm, bitten, twice shy. I'm trying to avoid this being very... Um, mechanically based, but yes, something along those lines. Um, call, call it a mood, if you like. Yeah. You know, if, if if one is pursuing the object of one's desire, this is generally a fairly enjoyable state to be in. But if when things go horribly wrong, one isn't going to be necessarily in the mood to do it again. Straight away. Well, it's it's sort of like the the. It's it, it sounds sort of like the uh, the what are called threads in, or. In, in, in that um, Dungeon World um, hack. Uh, oh, the, the high school one. Uh, the high school one. Strings. Strings. Or, or giving confidence points to people in Knights Black Agents, which stole it from somewhere else. Yeah, strings is you owe me. What I'm thinking of is more I owe you, or I will do stuff for you. It's, I, it's I, defined at that end of the... I give you this, and you give me that. I give you this, and you give me that. If you're... Yeah, it, and there's always the risk that the, what the promises that the other person has given you will turn out to be worthless, either through their own flaw, or through um, or through some external circumstance. 
I think it does need to be game mechanicalized a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the relationship strength as the primary model. Yeah. Okay. But this is this is something I'm going to play with more and possibly put into games when players aren't expecting it. And fair, fair enough. Let me know how it goes. recently talked about bringing real-life strangenesses into games. Here's another example. The British Library has a medieval sword. 14th century, I think. Has it got writing on it? It has 18 letters of writing on it. Oh, wow. And they can't work out what it is. I mean, they're perfectly normal letters for the period. Yeah. But they presumably mean something. They're not. They're, 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 they've been appealing for help to uh, the people who might work out what this is. They're not forming uh, words. They're just letters. They're, it's just a sequence of eighteen letters. Okay. You wouldn't happen to have the eighteen letters there, would you? I'll put them in the uh, show, show notes. notes. All right. So, what would cause somebody to put eighteen letters on a sword? They're the initials of the people whose blood went into the tempering of it, because it's an 18 times tempered Damascus sword. They st- and, they, and their spirits are bound into it by the, by the magic of, yeah. the, of, of, of the hideous ritual that created it. Or it's an encoded encryption key for an encryption system that wasn't invented for several hundred years after the 14th century. It's, um, it's the initials of the motto of the fighting order that had it made. It's... Mm. Uh, let me see now. It is a word, but uh, not in any of the standard languages. Um, hang on, but is it... Is they Roman letters? Yes. All right, well, that doesn't work. It's a, it is a name of power, which is, as with, often with these things, completely unpronounceable, and this is a good thing. Mm. If you do the right ritual... The letters will change and rearrange into uh, what you need to know. Uh, But you have to know the right ritual first. It's a random word generator. A magical random word generator. And if you plunge the sword into the right person, it will change the combination. If you plunge the sword into the right person, it will change to whatever they last said. (laughs) All right. Thank you for the contribution to Please Tell Us What Your Magical Sword Says on the podcast site. That has been Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. Me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bellwest. Please remind us about your generic system, which we forgot to mention. Um, your experiences with romance, not too much detail, please. And your everyday weirdnesses by leaving a message at the pod site or by sending it to podcast at tekeli.ly. We'll be back in another month.